Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. It's been a little bit since we last seen you guys. Yeah, we got some some explaining to do. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned in the last few podcasts there'd be a bit of a hiatus going into, you know, exam season and all that, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, but... Just so happens that exam season, you know, the spring exams anyway, always line up with the end of the season, um... So, yeah, and it, it sucks, but at the same time, it's kind of nice that we let these few games play out because there's more to talk about. Yeah. So this one will be a nice long podcast. We're going to go over all the games that we basically, well, quote unquote, missed. We didn't miss any of them. We watched them. It just wasn't uh, reported yeah. on the moment. And we're back for good now. So. And yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So through the playoffs, we're going to be here. And uh, yeah, we'll jump right in because this is going to be more. Yeah, I'll just tell them now. Like It's going to be more of a survey episode just from like what we've missed. Um, we're gonna have a more in-depth episode coming up this week like obviously when the season finishes which i believe is this week right i think so i think we have yeah, four the games 12th left. is our last game so wednesday yeah so we have two games left so um after wednesday we're gonna come out with kind of a season recap and like what yeah. we're looking like going on into into the playoffs and um that's gonna be an interesting one to look out for but like i said today we're gonna kind of just review what we missed mm-hmm. and uh kind of catch up with you guys perfect so, uh, yeah, April 24th, uh, 5-2 loss to the Calgary Flames. Um, I think that was Caden Primo's first uh, game this year playing yeah. with us. So he was an 879. Uh, we had a goal from Suzuki. We had one from Toffoli. And that would be about it. Yeah, um, very similar game to the 24th. Yeah, just, it was a big issue. It was just a very big issue. Those back-to-back games of just nothingness. It's something with us and Markstrom. I don't know what exactly He's it is. not particularly having a good season like in most you know compared to last year or even the year before for markstrom he's actually having a bad season yeah i mean that that's the thing i mean it's for for anyone who does follow those things there is that uh you know goalie signs new contract goalie plays horrible like a bobrovsky Bobrovsky, even carrie price had his down year the first year into his contract um but everyone you know it's just with us for example i I don't think we've had a game with him where he was below a 930 he's just always rock solid against us i don't know what it is I think it has more to do with Calgary's defensive play. It, I, yeah, it kind of they they box us out a lot, and like we can't get in front of the net. That's it. They have a very deep defensive team that can keep up with our deep offensive lineup. Yeah, that's the yeah. best way I can put it. Is they roll three D pairs, like we roll four lines. Yeah, and they're just sustained. They they just have this kind of medium pressure that's just sustained throughout the game. They don't really have that like um, you know medium 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 put on the afterburners like yeah. Toronto does, where like. You know, if worst case scenario, you know, a Toronto or an Edmonton's down with five minutes left in the game, they can, you know, formulate this hybrid wicked line. Doesn't yeah. really happen with Calgary. No, they're just, yeah, they just have a good solid group that just goes out there and does their job. Um, I also just think with Calgary, it's the fact that, like, they they just, their style just really doesn't match ours. That's what it comes down to. Um, like it's not a good matchup in our favor. I mean, uh, they they just play very well in the neutral zone. They hit hard. They're gritty, and like you said, there's no like one guy to keep in mind. So you always kind of have to be aware of everyone on the ice. Yeah, no, they're all and they're always in position. Yeah, but yeah, I from but, that game, like, you know, just obviously these things are a little bit in the past. Like I'm not gonna comment on like plays per se, but like the shots were about even. The hits were in Montreal's favor. The face-offs were actually in Montreal's favor. The power plays were in Montreal's favor, and we lost 5-2. So yeah. it, it goes to show. I mean, Caden Primo can't be under a 900 in his first game. You just can't. Like, we just 
give up so many goals when we lose. Yeah, I'm actually going to backtrack on what I said about Markstrom's save percentage against us. It's always above 900, for mm -hmm. sure. Like, he never has a bad game against us. And he's only had one game below 917 against us. But there, there is, uh, you know, uh, you know that game where we lost 5-2, uh, he was a 938. But the, the, on the 23rd there, he was a 900, and we still lost. I think, like... You know, a lot of it has to do with, like I said, with the defense there, mm -hmm. and we just can't get shots on net. Like he had, we had eighteen shots against uh, on net, and uh, you know, two went in, and that doesn't lead to a great save percentage for him. But you know, at the same time, like you know, I think they like doubled our shots or something like that. Well, that that's it, and it's also you know we've talked about it before about you know a shot yeah. that was it, a shot from the slot or a shot from the corner is the same it's still one shot so it's quality chances that matter and the montreal canadians i can promise you i haven't seen any stats or anything but i guarantee you they're one of the lowest um high danger chance teams yeah. in the league by and, far yeah and if we're gonna score we need our we need our like uh you know our our rebounds in front of the net and like yeah. we're not getting those against no. calgary so yeah, let's move on to the next uh yeah so the next game would be actually a 2-1 win this was uh the three games against calgary in a row there yeah 23rd and the, 24th yeah. and 26th Allen absolutely shut that down yeah jake us. allen being a 955 and there you go jacob markstrom being a 917 you know we had a goal from weber and we had a goal from Tafoli. uh again this was one of those things where like it's hard to complain about a win but we seem to like be back on our our just bullshit of just like we win two one or we lose. Mm. It's just like, you can't rely on a nine fifty five every night, especially and there's a foreshadowing a little bit, yeah. but like especially when you don't have solid goaltending playing in front of you, yeah. like you just you need to score more goals. Well, yeah, I mean, like we're shots we're we gonna take? you know we're obviously just gonna touch on that in a second, but you know looking into the future, we get to a point where basically if Allen or Primo let's in you know more than two goals were finished like we, we just can't put the puck in well the that's net. it and then, you know and then you combine that with bad goaltending it's just it's over well that's it and you just you can't do it that way it just doesn't yeah it does like no one can do it that yeah. way is my no, point well, yeah, the no highest scoring offense and, like the highest scoring offense of the league can't do it that yeah, way no scoring and 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 spotty goalie goaltending is like you know it's rough but you know given our injury situation um yeah, you know, and I, at the point that we're talking about, this wasn't even no, there. This wasn't yet. even peak. I think but we had like we were missing like I think only uh, double check the injuries. I'm pretty there. sure just just Gallagher at that point. Yeah, I think it was just Gallagher's thumb and, and maybe uh, Carey Price. I think Price is in then even. Uh no, because oh no, Price yeah yeah, 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 yeah Price had just yeah, so taken. Price and Gallagher. So I always yeah. say it's a big chunk, but like nothing compared to what we're dealing with now. No. But yeah, so let's move on. I mean, yeah. happy to get past Calgary at this point. We'll move through here. Um, then we played the Leafs on the 28th of April. That was a 4-1 loss. Um, again, this is where it, you're going to kind of see there's a lot of bad habits that are being repeated. Um, Jack Campbell's a 970, and Jake Allen's an 860. Um, thing is, if Jack Campbell was a 900, it wouldn't matter because if you score one goal... Yeah. And you let the team score four. I don't care. Like, this is the thing. I don't care about the goalie save percentage. But again, we're scoring one goal and saying, like, get a shutout to our goalies. And Allen's an 860. It's not happening. Yeah. That's that's the biggest issue. And this is going to be the biggest issue going into the playoffs. I mean, look, as as it stands right now, we're at a 99.5% chance at making the playoffs. Yeah. Like, we're making the playoffs. Yeah, no, but we're going to make the playoffs. It's just, you know, our... It's how we handle the playoffs that yeah. matters. I was speaking to Jesse... 
you know, back when we were tied, we tied uh, Winnipeg at, I think it was 55 points. Yeah. And us and Winnipeg each had four games apiece left. Um, and I was telling him, like, you know, it doesn't look good with our schedule because, you know, the way Winnipeg's schedule lined up, they had a bunch of games against Vancouver left and a couple of games against Ottawa, whereas we had two games against Toronto and two games against Edmonton. And, you know, the way I... I I forecast the Habs were going to deal with this is basically this is playoff hockey because these are the two teams that we're going to play. Well, I personally <laughs> I personally rather play Edmonton, you know. Me too. Um, you know, cuz and my reasoning behind that is well, one historically we've played better against them this season, but two, it'll give us time to have our guys heal up to play Toronto yeah. like our big guys, but you know, you just didn't see the vigor coming in that, but you know, Winnipeg's got such an easy schedule coming up that now, you know, our fate's kind of out of our hands. I mean, Winnipeg won one of the two, I believe. I think so, yeah. And then we've lost two of the two, and now we each have two games left, and we have two games against Edmonton with a very injured Montreal Canadiens, and Winnipeg, you know, seems to be getting out of their their loss slump, which they had, like, a brutal losing streak. Yeah, which is when you have to take advantage of. And they look like they bounced out of it now, so yeah. it's, uh, you know... So, yeah, anyway, like a 4-1 loss to Toronto. Again, there's there's just so little to say at this point. Well, there's so little to say because they're Because it's the same game nothing. over and over again. Yeah, it's the same game over and over again. I mean, you know, goal from Suzuki. I think this is around where I was starting to get, you know, worried about, uh, you know, players such as Petrie who are just, you know, mm-hmm. hasn't had a goal in like what must be 20 games. Yeah, it feels um, like. You know, so it's, um, that's when I, I, you know, I started to get worried. This was when I think... Yeah, that three-game stretch was when, like, there was a possibility Calgary could catch us. They're, like, two yeah, points away was, from there us. there was a few close calls there, but this is this is at least one thing, like, we answered the call at those moments, because jumping into the April 30th game, we had a 5-1 win, uh, 5-3 win against Winnipeg, and if you look, before I'm going to say the save percentage here, Suzuki scored, Lekkanen scored, Armia scored, Suzuki scored again, and Toffoli got the empty netter. Allen was still an 860. Yeah. So, like, you had a game where Allen was an 860 and we scored one goal. And then you had a, a game where Allen was an 860 and we scored five goals. It's just like, you like again, you need to score to win. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's... It's just so frustrating to watch this team, like, plummet in goals per game and then soar through and then plummet and yeah. then soar. It's like... We don't have a consistent scoring ability. No, and, and when we do like find the scoring, the goaltending isn't there. And then when we find yeah. the goaltending and the scoring, the defense isn't there. And then yeah. when we find the defense, the goaltending or someone gets injured, you know, it, it's frustrating just because we have the pieces, we just can't connect them. No, that's exactly it. And yeah, that would end off April, which basically at the end of April, we kind of had an idea of what the playoffs were looking for. But there's a lot of games. I mean, April was a brutal... Uh, month for the Canadians. I think it was like, what, 17 games or something in yeah, the month of April? Ru- yeah, we had a rough week because of that COVID scare. Yeah, and-, and then right away we have um, May 1st, Ottawa Senators. These are the like these are the points that like make the difference between a playoff team that clinches and a playoff team that gets in on a technicality. Yeah. We lose three, uh, we sorry, we win 3-2 in overtime. Like, it's it's really close. You know, yeah, like, know. it shouldn't be now. That being said, there was something that stood out um, in this game. I mean, I'll give you the goals. We had Petrie and Toffoli score. And then in overtime, Cole Caulfield. Oh, yeah. We haven't, we haven't spoken to them. Yeah. We're, we're going to... We're gonna. I want to save him for kind of like after we do the recap just because there's 
I'm sure we can talk about him at length. But, uh, you know, it scores an overtime goal. There was, I think that was uh, his second or third game at that point in the NHL. So it was nice to kind of like, you know, get the first one out there, get it done, and kind of like pick it up a little bit. Yeah, because it's nice to see, uh, you know, a guy like that in overtime too, just because he looked like he was struggling a bit five on five. Yes. Like, He's not a he's not a you know a particularly great skater, and he seemed to be kind of out of position five on five, which is like somewhat understandable. But you know, three on three, like the with with open ice, he seemed to be really yeah, comfortable. It's, well, he's comfortable exactly. He's comfortable with the puck on his stick. He likes playing offense. His defensive game, I'm not worried about because it'll get there. Like he doesn't look like a liability. He just he does at the moment look like a kid. Yeah, that's the yeah, issue. That's the thing. Like he doesn't look like he doesn't know what he's doing. He looks like he's getting beat. Yeah. Which again, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And even if he rookie. is 180 or whatever people are saying, he looks kind of. He looks like a soft one. Exactly. Yeah. He looks like when he's full, he's 180 pounds. Yeah, it looks like they you know like they weighed him at the end of the day after yeah. like a pint of Ben and Jerry's and like a gallon of water. Yeah. And like so he's probably. A clo- a I think bit, he's yeah. about 170. To yeah. be honest. like he looks about five foot. Like you know the the super conservative. Uh, listings have him at 5'7", 162. Yeah. And I think that's too light. There's no way. And I think the... I the think it's ones, in between. Middle yeah, I think, I think being about 170 is where he's at right now, which again, like, fine, you yeah. know? It's okay as long as the body composition kind of picks up. Exactly. He looks, yeah, he looks a bit kitty. There you go. Uh, then moving on to May 3rd, we had another overtime win against uh, Toronto. Which was a big game. Allen was a nine thirty. Jack Campbell a rare eight seventy. Yeah, that's that doesn't happen very. That often. doesn't happen, enough. and still to go to overtime. Yeah. Uh, Toffoli would score. Deno would score, and then once again in overtime. Caulfield. Cole Caulfield, yeah. and that was a goal. From score. Petrie again. Yeah, and yeah. that was a goal scorer's goal. Like that was that was a real goal. That yeah. one. Not not that the other one wasn't, but um, everyone take a shot. Yeah. Goal scorer's goal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know the the first Hopefully one. Hopefully, saying that a lot. Yeah, but just the the first overtime goal. I he it was a great play, but it was more Jeff Petrie kind of served him his first goal on like a silver platter. Yeah, it was wide open. This he, one he was really he got the, the puck and like he shot it well. Yeah. It was he placed the shot like it was again. It was just that's how someone who scores goal in the goals in the NHL yeah. like that's what you want to see. You know, it's like it, it. It would be like having a fifty-goal scorer who only scores empty net goals. It doesn't really yeah. count. It's also important to give to Foley a shout out there. Twenty-eighth of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's, like he's on. You can easily make. Planet. I mean, I think it's an easy argument that he is the best contract in the NHL. Like, easily, easily, easily. Yeah, yeah. So I you know, maybe second to, to like Bergeron. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon's is obviously up there, but I think in terms of. Um, I'm just impressed with you know a lot of people, especially early February when he was tearing like tearing it up. I think he had like 12 goals. Yeah. A lot of people were worried that, including us, we were worried that this he was going to be streaky mm-hmm. and that this wasn't going to hold. But you know it looks like it is. And another thing too is that he looks like comfortable. Like he doesn't look yeah. like he's trying to keep the streak up. Like, no, he's just, he just playing looks, hockey. Just playing hockey. And his shot, you know, he's taking different shots now too. He's also a fantastic penalty killer. Yeah. And but this is, that's what I mean is like it's he's now do, he's scoring from different in yeah, different, different ways yeah, now. I exactly. mean, we when was the last time you saw someone take a one timer like that on yeah. the Canadians? You know, it's yeah. just it's nice to see. But yeah, so Cole Caulfield would get that game winner. Um, then we'd have May fifth against Ottawa, and this would be kind of uh, 
this would be a string of games that I I can kind of yeah, summarize just, into yeah. the same. I want to put I want to put them behind us basically. Yeah. So we lost. I, I'm gonna just say the th- next few scores, and then I want to work backwards. We lost five one to the Senators. Then the next night we lose five two to the Maple Leafs, and then May eighth we lose three two to the Maple Leafs. But I really want to like go through these games one by one here. So the audible one. How do you lose five one to the Ottawa Senators in general? Just how do you do it? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not trying to, like, disrespect Ottawa because they're building a team. But, like, this is a team that at this point was mathematically out of the playoffs. Yeah. So they're going to be trying new things. They're somewhat as injured as we are. And then the real problem is, like, you're just letting them do what they want. Like, it was all the kids scoring. If you look, it was Pinto and Kachuk and Brown and uh, Paul and Formanton. Like, these guys are all young, basically. Yeah, and it, it's, all, it's all technically game... Uh... Um, uh, it's basically just off games played, but Ottawa's in fifth now. Yeah, yeah but, but they're the they only three more exactly, games, yeah. and the, but the, again, they're the only ones eliminated, right? Yeah. Um, and this is this is a problem we highlighted once before. Again, another point from Suzuki into following this game, but um, Edmondson, the only goal scorer. When your defensive defenseman yeah, is the no. only guy scoring a goal, like that's the issue. And you know, if you look at the next game here, where we saw, uh, I don't even want to mention. Caden Primo save percentage yet. Credence. But Caulfield would score and Lekkonen would score. This is in the second period. We went 1, 2, 3, 4. I, I, I'm going to check the game before, actually, even. Yeah, because overtime. We went about four periods without a forward scoring a goal for us. Yeah. And so it's just like it's unacceptable. That's the yeah. only way to put it. Now, Cole Caulfield scoring a regular goal, not just overtime. Very promising. Um, but again, losing 5-2. The problem with this game is Caden Primo lets in four goals in the first period. He's a 733 save percentage. This is the Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. I'm saying okay, like this yeah. is the Toronto yeah. one. Caden Primo lets in this insane amount of goals. Well, no, okay, and it's not even fair to say like lets in four goals in the first period. Okay, he let in two goals in the first two shots, mm. and he let in three on the first five. Okay, and like I, you know. A lot of people were saying, like, you know, Allen's, you know, super, super tired. We got to keep him, you know, you know, ready for the next few games because obviously Price is still out. You know, I think he's going to come back against Edmonton, but we'll see. But the same time, like, these aren't end of season games for us. Like, we actually need to win these yeah, games. Yeah, we're like, not. And even if we were clinched, like, competitive mentality dictates you well, take them seriously. And we're also basically clinched. Like, like you yeah. said, we have like a ninety-nine percent chance of making it. But the thing is, though, is that it's not. For, it's not our matchup isn't clinched like yeah. we, we don't have the set matchup yet like we can play edmonton or we can play toronto yeah so playing toronto like in this game um you have to put in your best package even though we're injured as hell because i don't want to play toronto and no. it's clear why i don't want to play toronto because look at the game look at these games well, well that's it right it's like um like I was saying, pre- like I agree just, with you. Just it's, going it's just into not, Toronto's there's no, play. There's no compete. There. Do you find when you're watch specifically that game and and many other games against Toronto this uh, this season, but not the most recent one, but that specific game, it looked like we were a team that like hasn't practiced together yet. While Toronto was just absolutely crisp. Well, this is the thing I was gonna say is for for one thing, yeah, I agree with you. They look like they're they're kind of lost in no man's land there. But I also haven't seen the Habs. This is an issue we had well before this year even. But we were even saying it's got to be hard for them to feel like they have practice when they have a new line every single game. And those lines change right away. 
it's like they do these things at practice and you see the lines and then the lines from the morning skate are not the same as the game and then the lines from the game are not the same halfway through the first period it's like what like how do we expect a guy even let's say like cole caulfield for example to mesh with these guys yeah he's played with half the team already we see you know especially on the Habs social media we see oh lineups at practice today yeah. it's like you know how are these guys building chemistry? Like, there's no chemistry. No. And, like, the a lot of, a big part of this We've is, been saying this all year. A big part of this, and, and the fun with it, is kind of growing with your line mates and trying out new things and, you know, like, getting, like, your, your set plays to be crisp and precise. Like, look at Matthews, Marner, and... and um, um, Hyman? Like, Hyman, yeah. Um, you know, like, these guys have grown together. And I'm not saying we have that, but I'm just saying at least try to foster that. Like, Well, we, they, we do with everyone who... Is like we do it with Tatar, Dano, Gallagher, and no one else. Because Marner originally didn't play with Matthews. Yeah, he played with Tavares. Okay, and then they tried it once for one season. It sucked at first. Yeah. Okay, and then about 10, 20 games in, they started meshing like crazy, and look what they have now. Hmm. And the thing is, is I, I'm aware we don't have Matthews and we don't have a Marner. Okay, but it works on a scaled down version. You well, I mean? yeah, it's because just... there's two guys who've been playing together all year, basically. It's Toffoli and Suzuki. Or not all year, but at more than more than half. And they have the best chemistry yeah, but and in the team. Yeah, and just to finish my point, it's like, it even works on a, like a, it's even worse on a, on a, on a zoomed out scale. It's mm. like, it's one thing to move the lines around, but it's another thing to move guys between top six, bottom six, yeah, first it's... line, fourth line, second line, fourth line. And like, Almost all of our players right now are playing top six, bottom six positions. Drives me well, nuts. Yeah. I mean, and it's not due to injury. Kotkaniemi played the fourth line and then played the first line. Yeah, and it's not due to injury. Like, no. but we've seen Dano on the first line. We've seen Dano on the third line. The only guys who are basically immutable to the bottom six is besides that one game, which we now know was some kind of illness, was Jonathan Druin. Yeah. He never is in the bottom six. Gallagher is never in the bottom six, which I that I'm okay with. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like. I feel like that's almost purely based on salary. You know what I mean? Like they don't yeah, want they don't want to put like them down there. They can't pay a guy for ten minutes that exactly. much money. Yeah, which Maybe. again, that's a massive issue. Um, but it's a it's an issue that Canadians have had for a long time. We've been talking about it a lot. I, I'm gonna go, I want to go into a few players after we get through this last game here. So the most recent game was uh, a three two loss last game of the year against Toronto off a two nothing lead. Yeah, and we had a two nothing lead, and we just watched it trickle away. In the second period, and then we saw an abysmal third period. Yeah, there's just nothing. There's Maybe nothing we had like there. Two shots or something. Three shots. It was, and just not even just like the the actual stats, but just like the like the sniff test basically. Yeah. Like they just didn't look like they wanted to score. They didn't look like they wanted to play. The the one good chance we pulled the goalie with over two minutes left. The one good chance we had was with four point something yeah. seconds left, and it was it, yeah, and he missed the net. Yeah, like it's just unacceptable. Now. Just now that you mentioned Suzuki, I just wanted to look at this now. 39 points in 54 games. That no, he's playing him, great now. He, he's really stepped it up the last maybe eight, nine games. Yeah. He's had a point in every single one. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will criticize him on, because he deserves to be criticized on it, is one, his uh, face-offs are, mm-hmm. are still not great, which that, that I'll, I'll concede, takes time. Like It's not something that improves game to game. Like that, That's something that improves season to season. But... Also, I really hope he doesn't keep this streakiness to him. No, I know. You know, because, 
you know, yeah, he's had a great nine games, but he had a very bad 15. That's the thing. He's 0.7 points per game on the season. He's about a 60-point year. Yeah. Which is where great. we said, like, we'd hope he'd have Which this is year. an improvement that I wish we could see in, like, a Kotkaniemi, which, like, we're That's just it. not seeing. And, like, you know, at this point, we're, like, uh, you know, on a healthy Montreal Canadiens, going into the playoffs, I don't know where he's playing. Well, th- this is it, right? It's like I'm. I I wanted. To, okay, so now that we got through like all the recap games, there there's there's a few issues that I have that I want your opinion on. Um, the first one is, yeah, structuring the center core going into the playoffs. So you have you have five centermen on the team right now. Realistically, you've got Deno, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Stahl, and Evans. Yeah. Just ignoring the other players, who is playing where? Assume everyone's healthy because yeah. actually we'll catch everyone up now on the Habs uh, injury yeah, list. It's basically our top It's everyone. Six. It's yeah. everyone. <laughs> but as it stands right now, let me pull this up right here. The Montreal Canadiens injury list is uh, extensive to say the least. We've got, where is injuries here? Go to the most recent game, but uh, you know, basically, me going into the playoffs right now, I would look at the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, sorry. Here, I have it right here. We've got Byron Price, Weber, Deno, Gallagher, Druin, and Paling. Yeah. So yeah, so I think like my only thing I'm kind of fighting with myself on is is Eric Stahl. The only reason I say that is because his his uh, faceoffs have been bad, which is. You know, they were bad in Buffalo, but it was weird because he's career-wise good at face-offs, which is, like, just kind of weird. Like, yeah, I, we I don't really he's a understand. bit over 50, right? He's, like, 53% or something mm-hmm. like that on his, on his career, which is very strange, which tells me he has to break out of it at some point. But another thing, too, is that if there was one reason we signed Eric Stahl, it would be for the playoffs. Like, I, 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 I can see him being that, you know, Corey Perry in Dallas kind of thing where, like, Last year, Perry during the regular season had a really shitty year. Yeah, it was not great. And then during the playoffs, just absolutely exploded. So that that's where I'm headed. So where do you play Eric Stahl? Start with him. Make it go the other I'd way. I'd play him on. I'd I'd play him. I'd play him on three C. I think. Okay. Yeah, I'd play him on three C. I'd have Evans on four C. Okay. And I'd play Kotkaniemi on the wing. I think. Okay. So then let's try in a. Okay. So he's let's just too much. My reason for that though is just I think I feel like he's too much of a liability at center. Like I find. He's been having some really questionable back checks. Like, he gets back there, but, like, misses lift sticks. And also, one thing I, you know, especially in Toronto there, he does throw some questionable hits. Yeah, because where it's he's like, frustrated. Yeah, he's frustrated. And, like, you know... It's not, that, like, it's not acceptable. It, it was a miracle. And, like, you know, whoever calls me out on this, fair, because, like, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, black and white, but, like... In my opinion, it was a miracle he didn't get suspended for that hit. Yeah, that was that, that was, was pure yeah. numbers. Although I don't think anyone's getting suspended right now with no, the, and I the think, uh, yeah. temperature of the NHL. That, that's I that, I honestly think that's the reason and the fact that you know they probably looked at that game and they were like, you know, I don't know what this is probably going to be the fa- the the uh, playoff matchup. I don't want the Habs to throw a tantrum because you know they're going to be playing these guys in a couple weeks. Yeah. But the thing is though is that like those hits, you know. It brings me back like Philly. Well, that's it. It's It's like like, at the same time, I I will stand by. I said I don't agree with what 
the like what was dished out to Kotkaniemi. No, I don't. I just but, I, we have to it, it, whether I agree with it or exactly. not. Whether I agree with it or not, like the outcome was the outcome. No, I, I, that's, and I, I have to I have to assume that the outcome will be the same, yeah. and like we can't afford to lose him again. But again, I don't want him to not play hard. That's the only thing. That that is it's this weird in between where if we have a full roster right now, I don't know where I play. So for me, the biggest question. What's mark, your centers first? That's that's what I'm saying. So for me, like I really think we need to kind of we're we're at this like shit or get off the pot moment where it's like, <laughs> but like seriously, it's like we we keep doing this thing where like we're dipping our toes in the water of like the future is now Suzuki Kotkaniemi, and then like we pull it back the second we lose a game, and it's like. You know what? The first line is going to have Suzuki on it. It's going to have Toffoli because he has, like, what is it, a 50-goal pace at this point. You're putting these guys on the top six. Okay, just a ca- caveat, though. Like, assume we're playing Toronto. Yeah, I still have them as my quote-unquote first line. So, yes, okay. My second line is just, the, like, literally tried and true to Tardano Gallagher. And then my third line is basically going to be... Great, this before is we jump into the third, why not switch the two? Dano and Suzuki. Well, for one thing, I, I, I'm... Like, thinking, keep the matchups in mind here. Yeah, no, I, I know. And I, I think defensively, like, there's it's, it's no question Dano is one of the top in the league. I think, though, Suzuki gets put out there against Matthews more than he does against Tavares. Because I think Tavares is a little bit of a harder matchup that Tavares playing with Nylander and everything. Like, they kind of have two first lines. Yeah, I... That's the issue. I wouldn't be opposed to, um... Like, that's a minute detail. My, yeah, like, that's a minute detail. That's what I'm saying. The, like, the I think we have me, the same lines in, in mind. Yeah. I would just flip the two, and the only reason is because I would rather Gallagher on Marner. That's the only thing. I Which is, okay, that's, see, like, that's fair. I just, like, to me, even, even then, like... I, I just don't... Gallagher on Hyman, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I get it. That, that, it makes sense, but it's like... Though, that's Marner's my top. Fine. Yeah, Marner's fine. That's my top six, essentially, is going to be Tatardano, Gallagher, Suzuki, Toffoli, and basically the reason Suzuki gets pulled up is because I want Toffoli playing more minutes, and, like, they have chemistry. Leave them, so maybe second line, fine. Like, Suzuki, yeah. Toffoli, and someone. Um, this is where it gets hard for me, because Jake Evans is playing fourth-line center for me. It's no question. And now... Stahl versus Kotkaniemi. The way I justify this is Eric Stahl is not effective in the bottom six. It's identical to Ilya Kovalchuk. You look like you, if people who followed Kovalchuk's kind of like little journey there when he left New yeah. Jersey for Russia, when he came back, who did he sign with? He it was uh, was it L A? Uh, L A. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it was L A. Horrible time yeah. in L A. Then he comes to Montreal absolutely lights it up then he goes to washington completely useless and now look yeah not playing anywhere and if there's one thing that you look as la fourth line montreal first line and then which was i guess radical to a certain degree but it worked and then washington had him on the third or fourth line you can't play these guys like Eric, be, Eric, bringing Eric Stahl in as a fourth-line player doesn't work. Corey Perry works because he's hyper-talented, but he's gritty. Eric but it Stahl, didn't work in Dallas last year. That's the only thing. But it worked, I'm saying, in the playoffs at least. Yeah. But he's not a like he's definitely not a top-pair guy anymore. And another, another, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna agree with you on this either way, just because I, you know, I'm kind of 50-50. I'd swing both ways with that. But the only thing is, though, is that a lot of people said that about Jason Spezza. 
and and he played like shit in the bottom six for a few and, years and also joe thornton no and i get that it's it's just where where i'm going this like it's hard to balance because for one thing what I'm saying, like, if you look at the same similar trend to Kovalchuk, Stahl had great years in Minnesota all the way up until he left, basically. Horrible time in Buffalo. And it's kind of weird. It's like he was playing second line in Buffalo. So, like, to me, like, the comparison that I was making kind of falls off there, where it's like it might just be he's not that guy as yeah. much anymore. Um, people hang on to 2017, 2018 when he had like a point per game and 40 goals at the age 32 or whatever. He's like, he's still Eric Stahl, but the idea is like, you kind of have to, it goes back to what I was saying. Like you kind of have to commit to it or not. It's either you're going to take anyone under 25 and put them in the bottom six and say, watch the adults play or you're not like, you can't start playing like. Eric Stahl's going to come in every third game in the playoffs, and then Kotkaniemi is going to yeah, sit. And like, I, it goes back to the uh, chemistry thing. Like, you just you need to, whatever they do, they need to pick one and just go yeah. with it. I won't be upset if they say like, you know what, we brought in Eric Stahl for the playoffs. He's going to play. And sorry to Kotkaniemi, you haven't been playing well. You're 20 years old. We're going to sit you. Yeah, and the only thing you know, it seems like I'm defending Eric Stahl a lot, but the only reason I. Uh, like I said, I am hesitant, even though I am defending him, is because even though I think he'll end up being a fantastic bottom six player, just like Spezza, Thornton, Perry, all these guys who did struggle in the bottom six because they were all demoted, basically, uh, just with age. I just the reason I'm hesitant is because I don't know if that'll that improvement will come so quickly in the playoffs. Like I, I don't know if that's kind of something that'll happen for him next year or like next playoffs. And you know, if you do play him. You know, like in lieu of of Kotkaniemi, you are running a risk. Right. And you know, the thing is, is I'm just surprised he hasn't meshed as well with Perry. You know, like I and thought that, that was going to be a right? match made in heaven, basically. It's it's tough, right? Because like, but again, he gets just, swapped every game. But that's, but that's the thing. it. It goes it, back to our lines thing. It's hard. This is what I mean. Is it's hard because like it's not only that, but he he's had like no time with these guys, yeah. and like. You know, again, there, there are t things that sometimes that just don't work out. Like, that's the other yeah. thing, too, is he, like, he's, him not playing well in Montreal and Buffalo does not mean he's a bad hockey no, player. No, no. The idea is, like, it might just not work here. And, like, that's, that's okay. But the idea is, if that's the case, we need to kind of, like, we need to stop beating a dead horse. Yeah. And you got to basically just tell him, like, hey, you're going to be a scratch in the playoffs. It didn't work. Um, we'd love to have you run for the leadership and this and that. If there's an injury, you'll go in. But, like, it just, it's yeah. hard, you I know, it's, he needs, if he can swallow that pill, that's, that's a yeah, good thing. and I think in, in, in Montreal fashion, like, um, you know, even if that is true, we definitely haven't given the guy an actual tryout, because no. the thing is, is, you know, you're coming to a new team where you don't know anybody, I mean, like, you know some guys from, like, 2008 playing yeah. for Team Canada, but the, the reality is, is that you don't really know these guys, you haven't played with them in 10 years, and then, you know, you throw in this Montreal style of like, yeah, we're going to have a different wing. We're going to have two different wingers for you every single night. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it just doesn't pan out. Like, it, I don't know why we do that, but I, I think we should have just stuck him on 3C. You know, let Kotkaniemi play 4C and then like, you know, maybe sometimes on wing with Evans and then, you know, do what we're going to do and, and run our four lines. Like, the thing is, is like, I, I, I don't want us to start considering the fourth line as an actual fourth line now because yeah. like what happened to us running lines like well, the, that's it that's why like i'm you know with our dano suzuki debate there on, on 1c 
like it really shouldn't really matter. The only thing that it should uh, influence is the matchups against yeah. Toronto. That the time on ice should be basically identical, and then three and four should be like less than one and two, but like not three than four. Like it yeah, should no, just be three I, I and get four. It. And and I think like a big thing too with this is that if we're willing to play Caulfield with Lekkinen and Evans, we should be willing to play anyone with them. Yeah. So I agree with you that, yeah, putting Kotkaniemi there might be, because Evans can play We right also have wing. to talk about who's coming back. I don't think Druin's coming back, to be no, honest with I, you. No, I think... I think and like, I, you know, I, I, I'll say it now, like, I've honestly, I've ripped on this guy, like, his, his entire season. I'm not taking any of it back. I, I don't no. think he's a very good hockey player for us but obviously he's a human being i hope he's all right yeah but we don't know if it's if it's anything you know an illness or if it's a like some kind of substance abuse or something with his yeah. family but whatever it is just like anyone who's still going after him is a bit of just like an yeah. animal and, and this thing is like whenever we went after him like i was going after him playing hockey yeah, for the montreal Canadiens. It's, it's not a person. person like he's a human being like i yeah. i'm sure he's a very nice guy i just yeah, I you know, yeah in terms of like jonathan drew and the hockey player in montreal Canadiens, i just don't think it's a good match yeah yeah, and, that, and then this is it, right? So we're, we're going to have a lot of players. Byron, I think, will be back. What do you think about Byron? It's, like, I again, I will take any change right now. Because him, it's upper body. Upper body is always a good sign. Yeah, but I'm saying I'll take any change right now just because of how poorly we're playing. However, I can't then also say, like, we constantly change things. Yeah. So, for me, I mean... Just, well, just we have to, to change of, this. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. This, this is something, but this is what I mean. We need to pick something, try it in Edmonton. If there's any semblance of it working, you keep, keep it. it. Exactly. You keep it, you keep it, you keep it. Like, you don't mess with it anymore. It's We've been saying this since literally, like, day one. We don't have the luxury of time this season. Yeah. Commit to but, something. Yeah. At the same time, though, what happens when Deno comes back, when when uh, uh, Gallagher comes back, when Weber comes back? But this is know. what I mean. Like, these got, this is, that that's not a, like, oh, we're on a streak, don't let... Ga- yeah, uh, no, no, but I'm, I'm saying like you know if it's if it's Tatar, I don't know if it's Tatar, if it's right now it's Tatar Suzuki Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with that line if it's playing well in Edmonton? Well, that's it, right? Like, I mean, you then... have to change that. Back. I mean, like, I think Tatar Dano Gallagher is like our one saving grace. Like, mm-hmm. we know for a fact that is just the line. Like, we're not changing that. And like you know, whoever says we should, especially with the team that we have right now, is just out of their mind. Because, like, that's the only thing that's holding this team together is, like, the consistency of that line and the fact that they're still the best five-on-five line in hockey. This this may be a bit controversial because I know it's really good for their development, but I would be, just, just because of how many guys we've brought in, I wouldn't be opposed to the younger guys not really getting a crack in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. With that. I, I would not mind them kind of watching... And learning, yeah. like it's it's hard to say, but but like, eat like including Suzuki, like just but you're gonna need him to play. I'm saying other than him, basically, but Kotkaniemi, Caulfield, and Romanov, yeah. they they should be watching these playoffs. Yeah. And I know it's everyone who's like you need to develop them, but it's yeah. like they they also need to like like study the film. Another thing too, though, is it's a playoffs isn't when you develop. Like the playoffs are is like. You know, going to like a like, well, that's like your finished to, product. Yeah, like I don't even know how to like like uh, close to the analogy I can think of is like if any of you know like powerlifting, it's like like when you when you go into like a meet to like do your you know do your competition, that's when like you're showing what you've developed. You're not developing in the meet. You know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah, um, exactly. You're you're peaking. Yeah, you're peaking. Like that, that that's like we're gonna see in the playoffs like what the regular season has done to Kotkaniemi, what it's done to Suzuki, and what it's done to Caulfield. 
they're not getting extra development in the playoffs like and and that's that's where i think you're kind of coming at it like i from what we've seen of Kotkaniemi and Romanov and Caulfield's kind of hard to tell because he's played so few games. I think it's at eight games now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not overly enthused with them. Like, like Romanov's been playing all right, but, you know, definitely some consistency issues with his age, I think. And, you know, he makes some questionable plays. I, you know, would be terrified if he's playing the position he is now in the playoffs. Like, you know, when he's yeah. playing, like, you know, first line right D against Toronto, like, that is a recipe for disaster. Obviously, when Weber comes back, that's not going to be the case. But I would definitely want him on the third pair with Kulak. Yeah, and I, I mean, here, look, just looking at the forwards first, taking out Kotkaniemi and Caulfield and assuming Druin doesn't come back, it it kind of solves the issues here. Like you've got Tatardano, Gallagher, Toffoli, Suzuki, and Anderson. Yeah. Your third line can be Byron, Stahl, and Perry, and your fourth line can be Lekkonen, Evans, and Armia. Hmm. And then basically, yeah, if someone gets hurt, then you start swapping in. But the idea is, like, you don't have a big issue if you take the kids out. And it's not the worst thing in the world in terms of development in that sense. Because, like, they're they're 20 years old. Yeah, like, like I don't it, know if Caulfield... They're children. Especially Caulfield. Like, you know, he, he's going to be used in the playoffs. Um, but I don't know if he's... He's definitely not going to be the game-breaker. Uh, no, the and, and I don't know if... Is he eligible for the playoffs? I don't even? know. Like, I don't know, I don't the know how the playoff eligibility works. Yeah, and when like, people come back off injury list, the cap's going to fill up. Like, he yeah. might not play in the playoffs. Yeah, no, and, and, and my point is, though, is, like, people are going to kind of throw a tantrum when he doesn't play. Yeah. But to be honest with you, like, I don't even know if I'm comfortable with him playing. Like, I... He's going to be, you know, from all, you know, from from everything we've seen, he's going to be like a, you know, a f- absolutely fantastic player for us. There's no doubt about it. But as of right now, having eight games of development in the NHL, like, I don't know if I want him playing against, like, one of the top teams in the well, league. that's it. And if I can paint a picture for everyone, basically. We could also yeah. ruin him by that. Well, that, that's, that what I, can, that's what I was getting at. You is throw imagine, the city against him? like. Well, that's it. Imagine instead of that, you let him watch, you let him learn. Next year, we have the normal season how it works back he learns what 82 games feels like first of all has his proper like rookie season and then should we make the playoffs then he jumps in and he gets like playoff hockey with fans in there with it like it's gonna be a very different vibe like this is a weird time in terms of like well everything yeah but especially in terms of you know adding acclimated to the nhl like if you think about it it's not as extreme as romanov given that it's like He's coming from the U.S., not Russia. But like, if you think about what Caulfield went through in the last month and a half, basically, is he moved to a different country. He met, you know, maybe a couple dozen people that he has never met in his life. He had to learn basically everything these guys did all year, get in sync with like all the workouts, all everything, and now he's expected to, you know, go put up forty goals. Yeah, exactly. It's like you got to give this kid a little bit, and like I'm sure he'll step up. And like I personally, like I still stand by it that like. He's got that ceiling, like where like he's an Alex to it, where he he can put up forty goals. Yeah, in the we NHL. just we have to nurture that, and like what we've done historically in the Habs is either absolutely stunt them in the AHL or play them first line and yep. literally crush and look their what we're confidence doing with them. and crush their confidence into oblivion, and then they never recover from it. Uh, you know, you see that with Galchenyuk, and the thing is, is like. We just, we don't, especially with a Gallagher coming back, like, we really don't need him. Like, his one goal every three games or whatever it's going to be, like, really won't be the deal breaker. No, and he's it, not it he's not particularly great five-on-five five yet. 
Um, and also, you know, he's not that power play punch so far that like we absolutely need. There's other guys who can play that role, especially with our injuries coming back. I mean, like we're missing basically at our top six. Well, that's it. And but I, I one just thing was going to say, say about one guy being the difference. There's, you know, we were just yeah, looking right. at this today, but like Mario Lemieux puts up 199 points in 70-something games one year, and his team gets eliminated in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. It's like, it, you need it. It's a yeah. team sport. It's a team sport. And you know what? I Going back to, you know, having stall on three, and then, you know, you know it kind of mixes up our wingers, but, you know, you take out Druin, because I personally don't think he's coming back. I no, think it's more of like a season-long thing. But, you know, that might make room for Kotkaniemi on the left wing. Yeah. And you know what? I can kind of, I kind of want him to stay there and kind of develop like an Anderson-esque play. Okay. You know, like it's not in his like it's not in his DNA right now. Like it's definitely not his play style, but I don't see him being the center we drafted and like I which is like I I don't think like I I agree, but I also don't think you like you can do that just from a like PR standpoint because if all of a sudden we we turn no. around we go well now caught Kinami is a power forward left wing yeah. they go well why didn't you draft Brady Kachuk then yeah no, no I know. And like well, it's, yeah it's... but I mean it, at the same time like you don't make decisions based off of like what people think of no you. I, I get that but it's like I mean the Habs do that's yeah. the problem yeah it, <laughs> like they, they they've they... done crazier things yeah so, I mean they, exactly. they draft you know they took you know traded one of our you know one of the top d prospects in the world for jonathan Druin, and then put him at center you could have been like well why didn't you trade for a center yeah well that's yeah. what everyone said and yeah yeah their hands and that's what i mean that's why it's scare it scares me that like the decision making process is broken <laughs> yeah and i but i just think that you know kakiemi has shown more promise on wing this year than he has at center. which which is just difficult because like i don't think like he's I don't not, think he's, he's not a promise anywhere. No, we no see and he definitely not promise on the left wing. But I'm just saying, like I, I would rather that than. I hear you saying he's less of a consequence when he's not a centerman right now. Yeah, it's just at the same time though. Like, do you play him over Byron? That's no. that's the hard part. And this is what this goes back to is like I don't mind him. Say, I I don't want to start doing just because I but do you I play get him like, over Evans. That's the thing is no because Evans has actually shown consistent. that he he's consistent. He shows exactly what he is. He knows he's a fourth line centerman with a, you know high end being a third line guy, but he he plays that hard nosed kind of gritty play yeah. and he gets it done. Like he kills penalties for us. He's fast. He'll score a goal every now yeah. and then. And like I don't want to start like punishing guys for no reason yeah like, well, let me be clear about Kotkaniemi here I meant him play left wing for the playoffs like yeah. I don't mean like down the line we're gonna need him to play center I mean like you look at this we're not gonna keep stall okay Evans isn't a top six guy um Dano is gonna you know as the years go by and you know three four years he's gonna move down to third and we're gonna need that 2c and like I hope that's Kotkaniemi but I just mean right now with like the injuries we have and with our you know, our decision to take stall, I think, like, like like you're saying, I think we should just double down on it, give him the spot. That's what we took him for. Yep. And, you know, maybe play Kotkaniemi on the wing. I was forgetting about Byron, though. That's the yeah, only and, thing. Yeah, and again, right? I, I go back to... Because now we have it. left wing, we have Toffoli, we have Tatar, we have Lekkanen, we have Byron, we have, um, yeah, well, Froelich, just throw it out. But, yeah, so that's, you know, that's basically a full left wing, and all those guys are, are playing well. Byron's definitely one of those guys I want in the playoffs, though. Yes, you know that's no, it's one a, thing. Th- that's the thing, and like and I just keep going back to it. I'm okay sitting. Yeah, I'm good with it too. Yeah. And like, what do you do with the D? 
the defense is a whole. Well, like, it's, it's picked for us. It's, basically. It's, there's no. There's, there's no, no moving. Yeah. But no I. We have I, so many. Uh, I don't know where Eric Gustafson is, but he's gone. Um, <laughs> I think. No, I'm sorry. I think. I think, uh, I think Bergevin, uh, took him into an alley and shot him in the no, head. Or honestly, something. <laughs> um, John Merrill. Was, John Merrill's been disappointing john merrill but is like a, i it's weird because he met my expectations which were disappointing <laughs> but he's i i say once weber's back he's kaput basically yeah i think no, like he is. i think we're he just is. gonna see Sherrod weber edmondson petrie kulak romanov and i think that's yeah. fair but yeah. even then i don't even like i wouldn't be terribly upset if romanov didn't get playoff action right away because Again, it's the same thing I, I apply to Kotkaniemi. I'm a little more lenient on Romanov because, one, he's a defenseman. So the de- de- uh, the development takes longer. Yeah. Two, um, there, it, it's just more of a potent position. Like, you notice when a defenseman screws up yeah, more than a winger notice as much center. When, like, like, I, my eyes were glued on Caulfield. And, like, a few times, I was like, what the fuck's he doing? No, I know. You know what I mean? Like, a few times, like, he's, he's hovering, not moving. Yeah, he's yeah. hovering around the top of the circle, like, in our defensive zone. Yeah. And he's, like, they're passing it to the point, And he's kind of just hovering around. I'm like, I, I looked at you. I was like, what the fuck yeah. is Caulfield? Uh, and, Caulfield well, I remember at once we just played, like, the, like, how many seconds before he moves. Yeah. But I think the, the record time, was five and a half. Yeah. And to touch on your point there, it's like, if I wasn't specifically looking for Cole Caulfield during his first few games, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Well, that's it. But and Romanov missing a hit or Romanov missing, like, a, a poke check, like, I noticed that right away. Yeah, because the puck goes in. And, yeah, no, I I agree with you. I would actually sit Romanov out. I would have Kulak Merrill, probably. Yeah. And, um, but I'm saying I think that's what they'll do is they'll play Kulak. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? The other thing, too, is, like, last year, that that's exactly what happened to Romanov. He got here, and he wasn't eligible, so yeah. he sat and he watched. So I don't feel as comfortable being, like, we to- you know, like, a year ago, we said, come sit and watch because yeah. next year you're going to play. I also just, like, I, I don't know. It's He's not a big enough liability I'm right also, now because if, yeah. if it was just scratch all liabilities then like half yeah, the team three would quarters be off. of the team would be off, especially like guys that we're advocating more ice time for like eric Stahl. we'd also have an empty net yeah exactly <laughs> the other thing too is is like romanov um i'm actually excited for not particularly for his play in the playoffs but i i'm gonna basically make a bet with myself on how quickly he gets suspended yeah, he's honestly. gonna. He's been throwing some huge yeah, checks. Some, like, not dirty. I'm not like, saying no, but questionable. Like, no, no, questionable. questionable. <laughs> but the, the big ones that I'm thinking of weren't dirty. But like, my point is, is they can turn dirty very quickly. Yeah. Like a lot of them, he hit the guy, but like on the brink of his numbers. Like, yeah. you know, like, and and he throws a the lot of hip of the checks. Numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like very Scott Stevens esque. Like well, coming thing, across. He's the an ice. old school defenseman. Like we always joke. We keep joking about how like and obviously no one hears this because it's when we're sitting on the couch watching. But like, you know, it's. I always refer to him as a different style of defenseman. So I was like, you know, I'm, you know, one game, I'm so glad we drafted this enforcer. And then yeah. it's like, he'll score and I'll be like, it's about time we drafted an offensive defenseman. Yeah. Or he, you know, he'll miss an open net. And I say like, it's okay, it's fine. He's a defensive shutdown yeah. guy. <laughs> exactly. And like, it's the, the, the realistic stance I have on him is he's a very reliable two-way defenseman when he gets settled this is a once again like we're forgetting and when i say we i mean like the entire montreal fan base like this is a rookie you know it's like literally a rookie like he's never played in the league before yeah and like he's going to be i don't want to say an elite player in the nhl without like he has the potential to be but he's absolutely going to be a guy that basically the canadians like lean on for 
um, re- like reliability. And yeah. it's on both sides of the ice. He's going to be a power play guy. He's going to be a penalty guy. He's going to end up logging a lot of minutes. Like that's my prediction for him. Is and before everyone jumps all over me for this. In the same way Drew Doughty doesn't get off the ice, Romanov won't be off the ice. But it's not because he's Drew Doughty. Yeah. I it it's it's scary with Romanov too, because I agree his ceiling is that high, and it yeah. definitely is. We're definitely not wrong about that. He definitely has a high skill cap. The thing is, is it's this delicate balance of one we're extremely injury prone team. And to get these guys to grow properly, okay, you need the right amount of volume, okay? But too much volume, you start spilling over and you stifle their growth, okay? And playing Romanov first line right D right now, that's stifling his growth. I agree. That's to the point where it's too much volume. And by volume, I mean like minutes played and especially quality of minutes played. Like playing, you know, Austin, playing like 22 minutes of Austin Matthews, like is is very different than playing 22 minutes of, of, you know, Alex Kerfoot. Well, that's it. But um, you know, it's it, it's a delicate balancing act because he also strikes me as the guy who, when you know, he talks to coaching or he talks to Mark Bergevin, he wants more and more and more and more. Yeah, and more. He, but he's got the that's the thing. He's got the drive and he's committed. I think that personally, the best place for him right now is the third pair. Me too. But I also think that like like if just looking how the team's future is set up and how his role won't be compromised. I think he should be kind of getting used to playing on his offhand. If he's that last right D, I think he's going to be more effective yeah. as a, just as a whole because he'll get offensive opportunities and his hits will come in because now all of a sudden, you know, he's not got his stick on the in the middle of the uh sorry, on the offhand yeah. of the ice. He's got his stick in the middle of the ice. It'll give him that quarter second just to kind of think. And he can pinch people on the boards. If he wasn't a physical defenseman, I wouldn't consider it. But, like, playing offhand, is, it's very beneficial for, like, physical play. Yeah. And I think it also uh, yeah, just contrary would allow... to popular belief, a lot of people think to do that with, like, a, uh, you know, a, a, Brett Bur- um, a Brett Burns or an Eric Carlson. Yeah. But, like, the fact of the matter is, is, like... Having his body open to board guys like that is just and board. I mean, like not in the yeah, penalty sense. I mean, like board isn't like just hit them. Yeah. Um. You know that opens up a lot of opportunities, especially for a guy like that who like. And it keeps your stick in the middle of the ice. Yeah. He's a left hand shot. I mean, like, look, it's not the this end of is... the world. People make such a big deal yeah. out of that. The only thing is, I don't like it when like, you know, we come up with these concoctions where every single defenseman on the ice is a right handed shot. Like that drives exactly. me nuts. Well, yeah, that, that's but it's like... okay if like you know one or two of our pairings are kind of fucking. Well, that's it. it, and it's also like I'm saying like just looking at his develop because there's you kind of have to balance these things with these guys of like we've been saying with Kotkaniemi and Caulfield and all this like you have to balance the right now with the like the next 15, 20 years. In my head, like we have so much left defensive prospects we've got uh, that are going to be like nhl guys yeah. in in some capacity that like instead of either punishing someone else because romanov developed earlier romanov could turn into our top pair on the right side playing with imagine like romanov playing with Gooley mm-hmm. on the first pair but romanov's been that offhand guy his whole career so now all of a sudden like you've got you know um i'm making off the spot here but like this is way down the line, but like Gooley and Romanov and Harris and Struble. It's like all of a sudden, like, I mean, those are all left hand shot guys, but two of them play one side and two of them play though. the They'd other. Throw and Flurry's in, in there. You know, um, it, it just it works better. And I think it would benefit him in terms of, 
yeah, I, I the big thing for me is, like I said, he can make more hits, but it's having his stick near the center of the ice because, like, that will give him that quarter second of, like, not having to pivot. Mm-hmm. That, like, right now his slowest thing is kind of, like, recovering on a play. Yeah. And so, you know, between him, you know, it, the same thing could be said about Caulfield playing right or left wing. Right now, our right wing is stacked. Yeah, Caulfield, if you're going to play him on the left wing, keep him there. Literally, yeah. the, again, think to Brinkett. He's just going to play that side. He'll score more, and, like, he'll just learn to play that side. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why he hasn't kind of gravitated towards that just because, and this isn't a shot at Caulfield at all, yeah. but it, it doesn't look like he brings much more than scoring to the, to the I mean, ice. Nothing else. So, like, I don't see what the benefit of having him on his on hand is. Yeah, I, I think that's just, like, the North American system just yeah. kind of, like, really being like, oh, you shoot right, go on the right. Yeah. Because, like, the European system, specifically Sweden and Russia, completely flipped that. Like, yeah. specific, and I mean, really hardcore, the Russians do yeah, this. But, like, Crazy. it's all about scoring, right? Because, like, there's, there's defensemen that are solid from Russia, but, like, they obviously produce phenomenal wingers, if anything. That's definitely their biggest... Yeah. Uh, um, export, you yeah. know, if you look at all the top Russian players, I mean, Ovechkin, Kucherov, Tarasenko, I mean, Malkin's a centerman, but then you, you keep going Radulov, like, they're all yeah. wingers, and they all shoot the opposite hand. Panarin. Panarin. They, like, literally, all those guys shoot the wrong, like, the quote-unquote yeah. wrong way. Yeah. And it's because they're geared towards offense versus um, the U.S. and Canada, which is a lot more geared towards defensive stability and, like... Um, you know, very complete play where I guess you're optimizing the amount of space that you can occupy on the ice, where if your stick is closest to the boards, you have more yeah. of a radius. And so That's interesting. it's interesting, but I, I don't know. There's guys who just like, again, like I, I use the Brinkett because he's just the easiest comparable in size and talent and ability. It's like you'll get, a, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. Caulfield can have two very different seasons. I could see him getting 80 points or, you know, 55 points, but both years have 40 goals. Yeah, I, that's exactly It's going to just be how many, like, you know, second-touch assists he gets. Yeah. And, like, his power and play, he's one on the fine. left side. I'm not looking at his point totals. I honestly could care less. That's yeah. more reserved for Suzuki. Exactly. I care. I, I just don't care about I just about need that. him to be, like, a, uh, you know, just pure goal scorer. And, like, just to be, like... You know, not now, but in a few years, just to be that guy on the power play. Yeah, well, look, he's on the left side now where Toffoli stands yeah. when they change lines. It's just, we can't break in, so... Yeah, we can, yeah, that's the thing. Well, I mean, we haven't been able to break in in years. I don't know what's going to solve that. Honestly, I think the key is Thomas Tatar. Like, he's the only one that reliably brings the puck in, but we don't give him that opportunity for the most part, and also, uh, he's not on the first pair, Yeah, on the first uh, power play. So usually what happens is, you know, if, if there's a decent power play, which is rare, Thomas Tatar will hit the ice with 42 seconds left in if the power that, play. Yeah. And then, you know, basically that's one time he gets in. Uh, but no, I think he should honestly be the puck carrier. I, I you know, obviously with Druin out, um, not that Druin did, Druin was horrible at that, but like, you know, I, I think they kind of were going insane with that. Like they just yeah. kept giving him the puck. Yeah. I think that should have been swapped with Tatar. I think like, you know, We've seen that from Tatar, like all season. Like the guy brings it in perfectly. All season for the years he's been here, yeah, he's he just, just he's he a better puck carrier. That's what it comes down to. He just doesn't. I, I think it has something to do with like the box they play or whatever they do. That like the guy who brings the puck in stays along the boards, whereas like Tatar needs to be in a more deep position. Yeah. 
And, like, I think that's the only reason he's not being given the puck. It's because they don't want him that high. Yeah, like, I they mean, want him lower. again, strategically, the Canadians need to dump everything in the toilet oh, yeah. and just restart this. Restart. I mean, we were talking about this, too, and this will be a nice, like, kind of thing to just, like, probably end off here. But, like, in terms of, you know, where the team's going, you know, we, we were making fun of care. Uh, you know, Caden Primo. I mean, as we do more and more, these people will start to realize we have nicknames for absolutely everyone on the team. Yeah. I'll let them in on Caden. It's Credence. It's Cre- <laughs> From uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Or as I like to say, Wonderful Beasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Credence Primo is just, at the moment, not an NHL goalie. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> um, what, what, did his 856 save percentage this year give it away? Yeah. No, but this is the other two. And, like, I, I'm I'm coming into his defense here. He's 21. Yeah. Goalies normally hit the NHL at 24. Carter Hart's the exception at 22, and he's not even having a great year this year. And, like... I want you to... I want you to... I want everyone listening, do me a favor. Go look up your, you know, your average goalie and go look when they started playing the NHL. There's this... There's this propagating rumor going around that these goalies start playing at 26, 27. 24 is probably like the oldest, like the, the 25th quartile, but like, or first quartile, I mean, but the majority of these guys start playing at 22, like 21, yeah. 22. And like their save percentages are decent. I'm not saying Caden Primo is going to be terrible. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I think he'll be okay. I just don't think he'll be a starter. And like, I'll let you get back to your point, but like, that's all I'm going to say is like, People need to stop thinking that like goalies get drafted at like 18, 19, and then play in the AHL for 10 years, and then come join the NHL. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're played they, pretty they quickly. They typically don't. They just don't start. That, well, that's it. They don't start. What, what ends up happening with goalies is their entry-level contract gets played in the minors, essentially. Yeah. Then they get signed as a backup. And depending on how long they need to transition, that's why the, the, you say it's low end, it's 22, high end, it's 24. But the the idea is where I was getting with this is like, I'm not, I'm going to take his name out of it for a second, just like for an argument here. You have a seventh round goalie drafted who played, you know, I think he's got six career games under his belt on a team that's really lacking in identity and has been, like, a bubble playoff team. And when I say bubble, I don't mean, like, COVID bubble. I mean, like, hovering, getting in and out of the playoffs, where the biggest issues have been goal scoring and, like, shutting down defensively. So, to me, it's like, I I see his potential and I see where he's gonna go. It's, like, he he was never meant to be... You know, we drafted Carey Price fifth overall, Mm -hmm. Being drafted in the seventh round, sh- should he play an NHL game? It was it like 199 or something? Yeah, I think yeah. that's I think exactly that. And I'm saying, like, should he play one game in the NHL at all? You consider that a win for scouting because that means they found a guy that late that can that can play in the yeah. NHL. Um, I do think that's kind of mixes well with what I was saying before about the identity of the team going forward. I don't think, you know, for the first time in. By the time Carey Price retires, it'll be, you know, he'll he'll played over 20 years with Montreal. So the first time in 20 years that we haven't built a team around a goalie. Yeah. Now, if Caden Primo's that guy, we've said, like, you, you and I have talked about before, I don't personally think he's going to be the guy that plays 60 games a year. Um, if he ends up, you know, splitting time, and I think, like I've said before, like, off air here, that, like, we're, go- we're going towards a, a style of league where basically you have two starters and one backup. It's yeah. not just going to be this year where people have three goalies. It's going to continue. 
Um, you're going to have two starters that play roughly, you know, 40 games each. And every now and then when someone gets either injured or tired, you're going to have a third goalie. Like the best example of this by far is Arizona, where they have Ranta and Kemper and then Aiden Hill. Yeah. And like, that's... If the second goalie is Caden Primo, I think the Habs have done Even a good Boston job. Even Boston. Yeah, I mean, like, Boston. Obviously, Rask is a caliber higher, but... Yes, and, and that's it. But if you have two... Like, it, it's easy when you kind of, like, pretend... So Boston like, is, like, six right now. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, well, they they're, they had a whole issue with goalies, but look, they persevered. Yeah. But if you have two Yaroslav Halaks and then a Daniel Vladar, yeah. you're, you're okay. You my, know? My, yeah, my point with Caden Primo was more, like... That's good to do when it's like, you know, Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice, like, mm-hmm. uh, and Islanders and stuff like that. I just don't think that he's going to be a caliber enough to split games. Like, I don't think we're going to okay. be able to afford to split games with him. Like, I, I definitely think that model you're hinting at is, is probably correct, and I think Primo will be part of it, but I still think we're going to have, like, a top-heavy goalie, okay. which is definitely not, like, this 60-game carry price thing. Like, I think it'll more be more along the lines of, like, you know, 45 games for insert goalie, and then yeah. the rest goes to Credence. Okay, so you, like, but you're saying he will be that second goalie. Yeah, I think. Okay, so I, we, just, I, I don't agree. think it'll be... I, In terms of, like, being ho- not even hopeful, but potential-wise, like, I think he could play 30 to 40 games a year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more on the lower end there, and my only thing is, is, like, I, I think it's going to be more of a... Um, it's not going to be one of those things like with Grice and Leonard, where it's mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, we got two nine thirty goalies. Yeah. Who's going to beat? Who's going to beat the guy out for the right. starter position?" Like, I think it's going to be clear. Primo's the second guy, okay. but it's going to be obviously less of a gap than as like Price and Primo. Like, it's, yes, it's not going to be like that. I understand that. I think it'll be more of like a like an Allen Primo kind of thing, but not Allen. Right. You know, like okay, where Allen is like clearly a, a backup. You know, like he he's not clear. I mean, he's a good goalie. It's just like he's he definitely is more comfortable he's, he playing sees second. more success playing his second yeah position. i just think like that like not specifically allen but like that caliber of goalie uh, and primo and just kind of more leaning towards the allen yeah, side I, get it. Uh, I just don't see a 50 50 split where you see in like even in like like uh vegas right now where it's like Leonard and Flurry are just so good, and they're almost like battling out to play the game. Yeah, you know, I just I don't think there's going to be a, really an opinion about like who's the better goalie. Well, that's it. I when I say like his potential is to be that second goalie, it's because I think that's his potential. Yeah. Like I mean, like if he's splitting games, it's because we found a goalie that is exactly the same caliber as him, if not better. Mm-hmm. I don't. But yeah, I agree. He's the he's a second goalie in the system. In a two goalie system, he's a backup goalie. Yeah. But I just don't believe we're in the like the era of two goalies anymore. Yeah, so. and the fact of the matter is, is that I, I, you know, it's with goalies especially, it's it's almost impossible to, to yeah, find no, generational talents. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to predict if they. It's much harder to predict than players. Just because, they're also just like, and I, this could be seen as controversial. They're just not as important. No, they're not as important, but you know. Even just scouting-wise, like, we don't have a good scouting history, except goalies, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is, is, one, they, go, like, good goalies, like, Price and, and, like, you know, all these, like, Vasilevsky and all these guys, like, they come they come so few and far between that, you know, even if we did scout them, like, the chances of us being able to draft them yeah. is even less. Well, teams have to sacrifice their, their first-round picks sometimes. I mean, a good example is if you look at Nashville... They have a young UC Saros who's playing out of his mind right now. Is he? Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, because no, last year he sucked. All... Yeah, he had a rough year, and this is what I'm saying. But like UC Saros, he is... was one of those guys that was playing behind Rene, and 
I could swear that the only reason his numbers were so good was just because he was playing that backup role, and I didn't think he was capable of taking that. Yeah, first UC place. Saros has 36 games played this year. He's a 2.28 with a 9.27. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And he's and he's playing like well. That's too. another thing I wanted to mention too. Okay, we're going into a in a direction in the league where yes, it's a. He's 26. Wow. Well, yes, it's a um, you know it's a, it's a one two punch goalie system, but all of these goalies are above 9.15. Yeah. Okay. So like. Credence's 857 is going to have to really improve. You know, the fact of the matter is, the goalie system we're going into with competitive teams doesn't even involve Allen. Like, no. Allen's not up there with these guys. Like, we need way, way better. Like, and well, it, the, this is the thing. This is what I was hinting of, like, kind of like getting away from building from the net out. This isn't how the league is built anymore. Yeah, and, and my and I, I know exactly what you're going to say. Well, I think you, I know what you're exactly going to say. The reason why Allen sucks right now is because we have no defense backing him up. And I guarantee you if he was on Nashville with how deep their defense is, even with, like, how many injuries they have, he would be a 920. Yeah. So Allen is the guy, but I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like you can put... You know, literally, you know, circa 2014 carry price in net. And if you have, you know, a 20-year-old Romanov playing first line right D, like it's not going to matter. Well, that's it. It's like, like if, you're, if your goalie doesn't have a thousand save percentage and you can't score a goal, yeah. you could lose the game. Like that's so, that's the way I look at it. And like that's what I was kind of saying. Then it's it comes like, down, do you want to pay your goalie $10 million? Exactly. To... I, I think the money should be spent basically... Like, if, if you're making, like, a hierarchy of needs, basically, like, your top two forward lines, then your first D line, then your third line is kind of, like, tied with your second D pair, and your fourth line and your third defensive pair are kind of tied. Like, I, I you know, I'm going to do this exercise, actually, and I'll, I'll put it on, like, the next podcast, but, like, kind of, like, where each line kind of falls in terms of importance in the salary cap yeah and and like or at least where i think and like then compare it to like successful teams of the last few years we'll probably do that like after the season ends and everything yeah but it'd be interesting to see like where like the actual need for a goalie is because i'll yeah, I'll, I I could I, make a bet that I it's going to be lower than people. Oh, think. it's it's definitely going to be low. And what you see a lot of the time is a lot of uh, cap distributed to obviously top minute players, and then you always have like this um, you know kind of um, you know miracle goalie that like a Jordan Bennington, yes. where like this guy's paid piss all, but then all of a sudden has this like insane like nine eighty save percentage playoff run that basically saves St. Louis like. I noticed that happens a lot. You know what yeah, I mean? with and Jack like, Campbell. You know, with not recently, like obviously Vasilevsky, like knew you know this guy was going to be great yes. coming to the league. But you know, look at Jack Campbell. Even I mean, the Leafs are going to make a years. good run. But you know, they that guy absolutely saved the Leafs' neck. Like if they had to sign a goal in the off season, there's no money to sign them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so like they can basically just let Anderson walk. I mean, like it, you know. Well, they're going to. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, they are. But now, for example, like. Cam Talbot, right? What would you say his save percentage is this year? I'm using Cam Talbot for a reason. Uh, 9.12? Yeah, he's a 9.16. That's, an, I'd say, like, second-tier goalie. Yeah, that's exactly what Playing yeah. in front of a top-tier defensive unit. Yeah. You have Suter and Dumba and Spurgeon and Brodeen and... Uh, 
Su- uh, Susie and you've got like they yeah, they've, they, got they've got so, great defense. they've built a defensive core. You know they're they're now they're building their offensive core bit by bit. Kaprizov's really showing yeah. that he's the real deal and everything, but Talbot's just like a guy. Go- this is this is what we talked about. Is like if you take the top save percentage in the league and you compare it to the average, the difference there versus it. like let's say McDavid to the average points per game. It's not even close. Because yeah. McDavid's almost at two points per game. Yeah. And the average, I'm sure, is well below half a point per game. Yeah. Versus, like, the save percentage, I'm sure the average save percentage in the league is hovering. Like, in guys who actually play. Yeah. It's, you have a minimum games played. Yeah. It's, it's probably 9-10 yeah. right now. Like, at, in at, terms at, of start, yeah. at most. At, at most. most. Yeah, at and most. And the highest is Just probably... Just because we are seeing a bit of inflated save percentages this year. Yeah. I, I don't know really what's causing it, but I think it's just, you know, goalies getting used to playing the same teams and yeah. seeing the same shooters. But, you know, let's say it's even, to be fair, I'm saying 9-10 the just because it's easy. Yeah. Okay, let's just say 9-10. Okay, it's yeah. probably more like something like 906, 905. But, you know, the difference between a 9-10 goalie and a goalie who makes, you know, double or even triple possibly the salary to get you a 930 okay like that's really not worth it and and also just just to like even make it even like more ridiculous in nine games played jeremy swayman for the bruins is a 946 yeah see that's what i'm that's what i'm talking about with the miracle goalies like that's gonna drip that's gonna bring them so far and like but 946 over the league average is still nowhere or divided by the minus the league average is still not mcdavid numbers no it's just not there no the fact of the matter is is like if you have a 910 average goalie versus a guy who makes double or triple the salary at 930 okay uh, we're talking about he saves a two percent more shots exactly it's like is that worth that's one more shot in the game is that worth 10 mil versus two and a half there you go like, and i like, don't know i would much rather have two guys who are perpetually at 905 to 910 than one goalie that's a 930 and one goalie that's an 800 yeah no, every I time agree. every I single agree. time well yeah i mean look at the look at the knee anti niemi era basically <sighs> we we had to play that guy when we were okay to lose a game basically <laughs> we basically and i remember Except those for that debates. one game i went to yeah the that florida game, game yeah, you went i to. went to the florida game where he had like 57 saves yeah. or something like that that was like the one game this guy showed up he but. definitely did like a line of coke before the game <laughs> god yeah but, but no like see but that's a perfect example of that of like I remember the debates we'd have about, like, Niemi, where if we had a back-to-back, and let's say it was, like, a very polarizing take, take a, thing. Take a, okay, take two years ago, uh, use this example, but Florida and Tampa. Well, that's exactly yeah. what I was yeah. going to say. So, the question Not is... Not Florida now. Florida yeah, two years ago. Yeah, Florida two years ago when they couldn't win a game. Or let's even make it worse. Let's say Detroit and Tampa. Yeah. The best team and the worst team. Do you play Niemi against <laughs> the bad team to maybe have a chance at winning but you also no, no, rest- against the good team no i'm, I'm starting with yeah. the bad like yeah, so do you, you said a chance to win yeah, yeah. against um the good team. Win. yeah sorry yeah, right. yeah. Do, let's go the other way do you play carrie price against tampa bay to give yourself the best chance at winning the game yeah or do you play carrie price against detroit where you can confirm you're at least winning one the opposite to that is you need a miracle against tampa bay <laughs> But the other risk you, you run is that if you play Carey Price against Tampa and they lose, beat you, yeah. now you have a big risk of Niemi playing <laughs> in net. Because, again, like bad teams have good players. God, I, Buffalo I, sucks this year. They have Jack Eichel. Yeah. He can score on anti-Niemi at will. We're, we're, we're seeing a little bit of that now with Price injured, but, boy, do I not miss those days. Because, no. you know, literally it was that. It was like, do we 
guarantee the win against Detroit. Like, I and felt like a Mont, like like a what's it called? Uh, like the Monty Hall experiment. <laughs> it's like, like yeah, it's exactly that. Do we guarantee the win against Detroit and then guarantee the loss against Tampa Bay? Yeah. Or do we have a like a monicum of a chance of winning against Tampa Bay and possibly winning against Detroit and like. You know, for the most part, like we're looking at like a GAA with Antiniemi of like four point five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I wonder but, where he is, what he's doing. Oh man! If you guys want a good laugh, go rewatch the Al Montoya interview after he let in ten goals. <laughs> That's just a classic. I'm but. gonna find that meme somewhere where it says nobody scores eleven goals on Al Montoya. <laughs> God, that was just brutal. We didn't pull him, but yeah, it was good to catch up with you guys. And yeah. Uh, we're gonna be we're back to be for back. good now. We're gonna be pumping out a lot of stuff. So keep your uh, keep your ears open and <laughs> <laughs> your ears open and your <laughs> eyes peeled. <laughs> your eyes peeled, and you know we got a game tomorrow at five thirty against yeah. Edmonton. Um, I don't really know how. I, I I think even if we do win these two, I think it's more up to Winnipeg at this point. I think like you know they have the upper hand on us. You know, like I said earlier they on have the podcast, the high <laughs> yeah. Like I said early on in the podcast, you know, we were tied for points, four games left. We lost two. They won one of the two. Yeah. So, you know, even if we win both, uh, we need them to lose, you know, basically both because I think with the goal differential, I think that's how it works after, right? Yeah, I think so. I think they're a little bit ahead of us, so. Yeah. So, I mean, look, well, again, do our best it's and... at that point now where it's kind of like, and just in theme because we missed so much because of exams, I'll use an analogy for that. You're kind of like walk into the exam. Don't cram. Yeah. What's done is done. You've set yourself up. Just yeah. like do what you can with what you have. Yeah. You uh, can win games. You've proven it. So just go made. out there. Exactly. So just, just one thing. I'm you know I'm 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 upset about again, and it's 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 been year after year now. Like when we do actually make the playoffs. When was the last time we went into the playoffs like even remotely healthy? Like we're gonna have guys come back during the playoffs who haven't played in like two months. I know. You know, it drives me nuts. Like, uh, it happens it's, every we, year. We haven't had a year. What the hell's wrong with Weber? Uh, he's old. Like, he's know, old like, and broken. It says, uh, it says upper body. So at least uh, it's not his ankle. Does it say upper body? But what the hell's wrong with him? All these guys. Do you notice all these guys got injured and you actually didn't see the injury? No, I know. The only with the with the uh, except yeah. with the exception of Gallagher, like all of them were out. Didn't even notice a thing. Byron didn't notice a thing. Druin didn't notice a thing. Weber didn't notice a thing. Dano's concussion. Dano, I don't know where that. Dano, happened. I have no idea. Uh, Price didn't. That yeah. definitely was not the concussion. No, that little nudge there. But no. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to go on that tangent. But <laughs> we'll catch you guys tomorrow night for the game against Edmonton. Yeah, and we're actually uh, we were thinking maybe for uh, the playoffs at one point we might have like a hot mic night and just yeah. leave uh, the microphone live while we actually watch. That'll be fun. Yeah. Instead of having the periods in be- like between the whistles, there you might just hear us raging for 20 minutes yeah. and then have our calm version. Yeah. But uh, sure. yeah, we're we're just gonna be doing some special stuff. We're glad to be back and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll catch you guys tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.